if you put your fingers on your larynx, on your Adam's apple, mm -hmm. can you at will, without swallowing, raise and lower your larynx? No, because I get very ticklish. <laughs> Well, I'm not sure about the ticket. You don't have to. You can you can put your fingers as solidly or as softly as you like. But so there's a, so the exercise is. See, I'm laughing now because I'm doing it. Oh, you're trying. <laughs> I get very ticklish. So uh, did I fail? I think I failed. I've taken up again the French horn. Oh, yes. Very exciting. Again, so you, you used to do it before, did you? I think, did you tell me that once? I can't remember. Uh, perhaps not. I was very privileged as a teenager to go to a high school in Adelaide called Marriottville High School. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time, in the 90s, Marriottville was uh, one of several, I think three, what they called special interest music schools in Adelaide. Mm, in Adelaide alone. Yeah, this is a, this was at a time when the um, uh, the government was uh, a bit more uh, focused on, you know, education and health healthcare and those kinds of things. I know we don't really talk about politics that much or opinion on politics that much on Station mm -hmm. Thirteen, but uh, it was a good time. You know, there was uh, okay. a focus on uh, on arts and culture and education and healthcare and stuff. And anyway. The special interest music high schools were designed to uh, foster and cultivate young music talent. Mm. And basically, you went to Marriottville High School either as what was called a general, which meant that you lived in the Marriottville uh, neighborhood. Mm. Uh, so you sort of defaulted to going there because you were a resident nearby. Mm -hmm. Or you took an audition on an instrument. Mm. Uh, and if your your playing was of adequate quality and you seemed to have sort of a um, decent amount of musicianship, mm. uh, then you'll be accepted from other parts of the city uh, as what was called a special interest music student. Mm. I see. Okay. So the general ones, were they not particularly musical necessarily? No, that's right. And they're just, you know, uh, they just lived in the general area, so therefore they would default to going to that high school. Right, right, right. right. Uh, whereas in my case, I, I had to travel across the city to get to Marriottville High School just because mm -hmm. uh, I was fortunate enough to be accepted into – there were two levels. There was what was called Music 1 and Music 2. Mm -hmm. And uh, the sort of intensity and the volume of musical education was sort of – you know, increasingly great as you got up between music one and music two. I see. So in my case, in music uh, two, as a music two student, I was fortunate to be accepted to that program. And that meant that I didn't do, I didn't do languages. I didn't do things like woodworking or metalworking or home mm. economics, as we called it, where you learn like sewing and cooking and stuff. Mm -hmm. All I did was maths, chemistry, physics, history, geography, English and the rest was completely music. Oh right, okay. No languages. That's yeah. That's interesting. No, no languages. So I did um, uh, in place of languages. We had subjects like music performance, and we had uh, orchestra performance, and music analysis, and music listening, and music composition, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, that was basically a uh, music history. Did I mention that? Uh, so yeah. The, the one of the benefits of doing this was that we could basically choose any instrument that we wanted to start at any time. Uh, I entered the 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 school on the violin, but uh, mm -hmm. I thought, yeah, French horn, I right, give that a shot. Mm. I uh, was actually tossing up between French horn and trombone. Trombone, classic. Yeah, kind of wish now that I'd chosen trombone, yeah. just because it's such a versatile instrument. You know, you can 
you can play jazz, you can play big bands, you can play obviously classical, you can play solo, right. you can play ensemble, you can, you know, it's right. a, uh, and also if you sit on the back of a scooter and drive, and, and you've probably seen that clip on YouTube of somebody making like a Formula One car sound with a trombone on the back of a scooter. <laughs> have you not seen that? I don't think I have, no. Oh, it's fantastic. It's like a, I think it was like a, a vine from, from those mm. uh, days of vine mm. and uh, people put on YouTube. It's really good. Anyway. So, yes, French horn. I learned it for two years at Marietteville High School, uh, but mm-hmm. I had to stop because I got braces on my teeth. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah. And, um, yes, obviously when you have like these metal studs on your teeth, pressing a brass instrument mouthpiece onto your lips becomes fairly painful. Yes. Yes. Imagine. Hadn't thought about that before. But... I, uh, yeah, I tried to uh, continue it for as long as I could, but it just became too painful. Mm. And it was a bit of a, a sort of a, a sad turning point uh, for my father because my father is um, a keen enthusiast and performer and administrator of uh, classical music. Mm-hmm. And um, he very enthusiastically actually bought me my own French horn. Mm. And you, I probably don't need to tell you, but French horns are very expensive. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of – it's it's a, quite an amazing feat of engineering, really. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at them, there's just like a mess of these sort of tubes and, and valves and buttons and, and mm. you know, it's all kind of shiny and made of brass and there's like silvery bits and golden bits and, you know, it, it's sort of – you know, it's basically the, the musical incarnation of steampunk. <laughs> really yeah so he bought me one it was very expensive and obviously because i couldn't play it because i had braces on we decided to put the french horn that i that he bought for me uh into sort of long-term storage and there's um a number of procedures that music shops can do for you to actually prepare a brass instrument for long-term mm. storage so that it doesn't corrode or you know so that the valves remain functional and stuff right, like right. that right so he did that. So it is, does it remain in long-term storage now? Or? Well, yes. So basically, uh, what do we know? It was like 25 years later. Mm-hmm. I thought, because my son is learning saxophone and doing very well, mm-hmm. I thought, what's the point in having that French horn in Australia mm. uh, when I may as well have it here? You know, I mean, maybe my children could play it or maybe I could right. play it. You're not wearing braces anymore. So Not wearing braces anymore. Yeah, so... I actually asked my father, because he recently visited a few weeks mm. ago, I asked him to bring it for me. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, and Very he nice. did. And um, what a oh, – it's, it's magnificent. I completely underestimated how much joy it would give me to sort of try to play this instrument again, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Do you remember it at all? Do you, did it come back to you or is it like starting from scratch? Um, it, I think, yeah, it's actually – I, think, I believe we had this conversation many episodes ago about sort mm. of muscle memory and mm-hmm. something that you learnt mm. uh, at a much younger age, sort of coming back more easily. It was basically that was exactly it. So the first few hours of playing uh, were just awful, <laughs> 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 kind of like sort of like sad, sad elephant noises. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could, <laughs> I guess you could call it. Uh, but yeah, after a few hours and sort of warming up um, the. It, basically, with the French horn, it's it's the muscles on the side of your mouth. Mm. You need to basically create this this tiny slither of a hole through your lips mm. by pressing pressing inwards with the muscles on the side of your mouth. Mm. Um, so you kind of look like you've just eaten a lemon. 
Right. And then that's obviously amplified by the, the length of the and the shape of the horn, which produces that wonderful warm tone. Mm. And so the muscles on the side of your mouth aren't actually muscles that you really use that much, I suppose, mm-hmm. not with any degree of kind of strength or force when mm-hmm. you're talking or eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it took, uh, it's taken about a week, I think, to, to get back to the, um, the level that I was, what, 20, 25 years ago. Mm. A week's not bad if you played it for two years. Yeah, but I, I have been practicing every day. Right. And I practice for, I've been trying to practice, I usually sort of practice either together with my son on his saxophone. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing because his saxophone is tuned to, I think it's B flat. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm a stringed instrument person generally, so I don't totally understand all of this. Mm-hmm. But I think a B flat saxophone, it means that when he plays B flat, it is concert pitch C, I think. Uh. I'm not sure. My French horn is an F horn, which means that when I play an F, it's concert pitch C. Right. So his B flat is my F, I think. <laughs> I'm not not completely confident about that. I so uh, please feel free to uh, flame me on the uh, on our Station 13 Reddit if you are a brass pl- or a woodwinds player. But yeah, the instruments are... are, are the, the brass and woodwind instruments are tuned differently, and uh, so you have to do a lot They're of... They're tuned, but they, can they still play any note? Is it like as if you had a capo on your guitar and it was just the guitar was sold with a permanent capo somewhere on it? No, not no, not quite. Oh, okay. they, they can play chromatically, so they can play any note. Mm-hmm. It's just that when they read on music notation, when they read a C, mm-hmm. and they play a C on the instrument, mm-hmm. it sounds as a different note. Right. So music notation for these players must be transposed. Oh, I see. So that's, Oh, hang on. So a song that is written in F, for example, yeah. they transpose the, the notation to C. Yeah. And then when the player plays and then, the C... And they, when they play that C, they've learned how to play a C on the instrument, and they read a C... Where it is on the clef, usually. Yeah. But it comes out as an F. Exactly right. That's so weird. Well, I, actually, I can tell you the reason for it. Okay. At least with with in the context of French horn, I'm not sure about, you know, clarinet and oboe and, um, mm. and the other woodwinds and brass instruments. But French horn, it's interesting. The horn, obviously, is an ancient instrument, mm-hmm. one of, you know, the most ancient brass instruments. Mm-hmm. Originally not brass, of course, originally made of like tusk or bone. Of, of or, horn, in fact. Of horn, essentially. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> um, so the original, the, the current design of the French horn has like mm-hmm. all of these cool steampunky levers and valves and tubes, right? Mm. The original horn had none of that. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever seen, if you've ever seen um, uh, logos, usually of postal services, mm. you'll see the original shape of the horn, mm-hmm. which is basically like the current day French horn, which is round but without all the tubing on the inside. Right. Now, with a brass instrument, and I believe also actually with all wind instruments, I believe, mm-hmm. you can play the harmonic scale just by altering the tension in your lips. Right. So a harmonic scale goes... Um, like that. So it's basically C, E, G. Uh, what would it be? C, E, G, kind of slightly flat, B, and then slightly C flat. again. 
<laughs> yeah, because yeah, the harm. Oh, I see, because it's not, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, this comes in play in, in sound synthesis as well, because there are times when you, with a harmonic, the harmonic series of notes, mm. the first part of it is a major scale, but then the, the intervals between the notes get more and more narrow as you get higher. Mm. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, that's the reason why you will hear that when, for example, um, soloists, specifically jazz soloists who are doing things that are very virtuosic, mm-hmm. you often hear it with saxophone. Um, when they're playing really, really high, mm. it, it sounds like they, they have this freedom of pitch where they, they can just sort of slide up and down between all these different notes. Right, right. And, and the reason for that is because higher up in the harmonic, harmonic series, the intervals between the notes are very, very small. Right. And you can see that physically... On a guitar, right? Because the frets get closer together. Yeah. Is that what you're getting at? Um, yeah. Uh, yes, I think yes. Right. I'm trying to think now if the, if the if the reason that the frets get close together is that because of the harmonic series. I, I'm not actually sure. But anyway, so coming back to the French horn, mm-hmm. um, you can play the harmonic series uh, without any buttons or valves or anything. Right. So you have these notes like C, E, G, slightly flat right. B. Right. C and then C sharp, right. then slightly flat D, and then they get closer and closer. Right. So is that like what the, you would do with a bugle as well? Because that's got no buttons or anything, right? Exactly, right. that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So those kinds of those sort of bugle calls and trumpet uh-huh. calls, yeah. Uh, the the very early primitive ones are often made to only use the notes of the harmonic series, right? Because there's no valves to actually give you those intervals in mm. between them. Mm. So the original horns were made like that, and the cool thing, um, you of course know that the position for playing a French horn is if you've got you've got your right hand tucked into the bell. Mm. So when you see somebody playing the French horn, the left hand is on the buttons, and the right hand is sort of up the bell of the horn. Mm-hmm. The reason for that is because in the the very early incarnations of the horn that had no valves and were mm-hmm. just tuned to the single pitch which could be played with these harmonic intervals mm-hmm. you would actually push your hand into the bell to make the sound uh d- to adjust the pitch of it all right wow and doing doing that you could uh so when you push your hand into the bell you are shortening the length of that tube mm-hmm. uh, which would in turn make the sound in, uh, higher in pitch mm. so even it's very muffled, like the quality of the sound is different because it's muffled. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the way that, that originally that they would play, for example, a major scale mm-hmm. by uh, shifting their hand in and out of the bell. And that's the reason why you hold the French horn with one hand in the bell. All right. And nowadays you just hold it like that because of the tradition and that's the kind of the ergonomics of the instrument right. have developed because of this technique. So that's why mm-hmm. you do it that way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so... Um, I haven't lost track of why I'm talking about this. <laughs> the reason I'm talking about this is why that they why they're tuned to F. Right. So originally you would have these horns and players would have to bring to performances multiple horns tuned with different lengths of tube for the different pieces that they were having having to play. Right. So you may bring like a B flat horn which would have a, right. a length of tube right. that would give you a B flat when you blow sort of the uh, a, with a moderate amount of force and a modern amount of tension in your lips, you would get a B-flat. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have an F horn and you'd have mm-hmm. a C horn and you'd have all these horns that you had to bring. Right. And that was very inconvenient. So the smart people in those days decided, well, wouldn't it be a cool idea if we could actually adjust the length of this piece of tubing 
so that you could get these different tunings without having to have the bulk of all of these different instruments. So they came up with what was called a crook, mm. which is a, a piece of tubing that you would insert into the back of the horn, mm. which would be a different length depending on which key you wanted to play in. Right, I see. Yeah. And they found that um, these different lengths of tubing, mm. obviously the longer that they got, the, the, the longer the total length of the winding of the tubing would get, mm-hmm. obviously the lower the, the pitch is, Right. They found that the most comfortable pitch to play at that was the easiest and that you could most easily... and physically for, like, humans. Yeah, that's right. For your mouth, basically. Right, right. The most comfortable pitch of horn with all of these crook options that they would have was F. Mm. And it just... F was a comfortable tension in your lips and you could easily go up and down between the notes of the harmonic series and it was just easier to play that way. I see. So that's the reason why a French horn... Uh, is uh, um, generally you have a French horn that is tuned to F, called an F horn, mm. uh, and then that F is the equivalent of concert pitch C. So I sort of understand that, but why then didn't they shift the mapping so that when you learn the notes on a French horn, the note that you learn to play for F maps to an actual F? You know what? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, that, like they teach you. Okay, this is this is how you play a C, but tap nose. It's not really a C. It's actually an F. Right? Why did they? Why that step? Why not just say this is how you play an F? And then if you want to transpose it, if you want to, you know, put in one of these poles or something to to switch it to a different key, <laughs> then then you can do the mapping. But why not make the default thing the one that is like calling the notes what they are <laughs> you know what danny yeah i uh just before you uh before you spoke there at the end uh-huh. of my explanation i realized something right it doesn't actually explain why does it no it doesn't no <laughs> <laughs> i just realized it actually i was thinking oh this is great this is the perfect explanation, the explanation. for this it explains then- something right it tells us something <laughs> about how it developed and like why the f harmonic suite like it does explain why the, the why your horn uh, has as its default series the F harmonic series right and that your son's saxophone has something else that it explains but it doesn't explain why the mapping is different to uh, like actual uh, notes yeah it doesn't explain anything really does it no, I've just at the end of my explanation there I just realized actually I haven't explained anything at all about about why it's transposed it's very interesting so <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, thank you for uh, sticking with me for that. Uh, what was it like? Twenty-minute explanation about nothing. Uh, if you are a wind instrument uh, expert, then please uh, let me know why it is. I mean, I could look it up on Wikipedia or whatever, but it's much more interesting mm-hmm. to hear from somebody uh, who who might know what they're talking about at least more than I do. It's. I mean, it sounds not completely different to a capo on a guitar in insofar as. You do, and this makes more sense in the guitar, but a thing that you see quite a lot is you'll get some tablature for a song and it will say capo on three and then here's the tab and all the numbers that it gives you are relative to that third fret where the capo is. Mm. And so in that sense, you're doing a a similar thing, right? The music looks as if if there was no capo, you know, a a zero on the E string would mean you're playing an E. Mm. But because of the capo, a zero on the E string means you're playing a G, for example. Yeah, I think the 
in the case of a capo, yes, I guess you could draw that analogy if you considered that the reason that guitarists use a capo is so that they have access to open strings right. and open string chord structures. Right. So you put a capo there so you can play these these chord structures that require open strings, but you want those open strings to be at a different pitch. Right. And playing so, the open strings on the guitar feels a little bit like playing the harmonic series on a horn, right? In that it's easy to do. You don't need to press any buttons. You don't need to press down on any frets. Right. It's just what will happen if you vary the, you know, the pressure of your, your lips or the string that you play on. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, there is like the, the middle note when, of the sort of uh, range of a French horn mm. is a C mm-hmm. or an F. <laughs> Tap nose F. <laughs> uh, so that middle note, right? I wonder if it could be something to do with with education, like the idea that obviously, if you want to teach a beginner how to play the French horn, mm-hmm. like like on a piano, you know, the C major scale mm-hmm. is often the first one that's taught because it it only requires the white keys, right? So it's and when you think about music notation and key signature, mm. you know, the C major scale has no sharps and no flats, and it's mm. kind of often considered to be sort of somewhat central to uh, right. to, to key signatures. So I wonder right. if then the reason that F major on the French horn, which is actually C major at concert pitch, mm-hmm. rather than trying to teach somebody, okay, so here's your F major scale, mm. and, <laughs> you know, uh, you've you've got this thing called an uh, you've got this thing called a B flat in there, but don't worry about that. <laughs> Just <laughs> because this is an F major scale, right? Which obviously an F, F major has one flat, a B flat, but right. it's harder to teach that compared to saying, okay, this is your C major scale. No, that can't be right. Yeah, I think you might be onto something. I think thinking in terms of scales is probably the right approach to unpicking the reasoning behind this. But it mm. seems very peculiar to me that you would have that you would have different instruments. So the the music, if you put all the music for all the different instruments together, it wouldn't match up without transposing it because this music is actually transposed for such and such an instrument, and this right. music is transposed for something else. What we really need is a is a wind instrument expert because I am not a wind instrument. I I can tell you anything about string instruments, but uh, wind instruments are uh, I'm I'm very much an amateur. So uh, please please educate us. <laughs> uh, do you play any wind instruments? Me, no. I, no. I got a recorder when I was young, but I never got very far with it. Mm. There's, there's a sort of a tragedy about the recorder because, <laughs> you know, the recorder itself, especially Baroque period recorder, mm. it's a beautiful instrument. And mm. when you listen to a professional or not even a professional, I should say like a, a very, very skilled Baroque recorder performer, mm. It's beautiful. It's it's a wonderful, beautiful sound in the context of Baroque music especially. Mm. It's kind of sad though that the recorder, because uh, they're easy to mass produce, they can just you know, pump them out of this tubes of plastic with some holes in it. Right. <laughs> and it's quite it's easy easy to play as in easy to easy to start playing. You just blow into you it. You don't have up. to yeah. Yeah. you just it's, you know you don't have to have a special embouchure with your mouth or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so often the recorder sort of gets a bit of a bad rap because everybody Generally, you know, in your school system, you'll you'll have to try it. And yeah, I play recorder. Yeah, and and it's often played by children badly. <laughs> so right. everyone has this image of like me, <laughs> sort of high pitched squeal that comes out. Like. Right, right. 
<laughs> yeah, so recorders, recorders, that's good. That's something you should be proud of, that you played recorder. Yeah, well, except that I didn't really. I, I quickly moved on. My sister did the clarinet for a while. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that's about, that's about the limit of it, really. How are you with singing? Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. Really bad. Really? Um, I've tried a couple of times to improve the situation. Um, <laughs> right. I'm I'm not very good. I mean, I quite enjoy it, and I enjoy a good karaoke. Uh, I like driving Japanese people out of snack bars by singing Tom Waits. That's <laughs> <laughs> you, it's my um, hobby. <laughs> are you are you fairly comfortable with pitch when you sing? I would say that's that's the key problem. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. I mean, I, I I mean, I don't know what else I would get wrong. <laughs> well. Like for for me, I'm also a terrible singer. I have no problem uh-huh. with I have no problem with pitching notes, mm-hmm. but I have no ability at all to make my sound my voice sound nice when I'm singing melodies. I see. So it, it's just horrible. Uh, right. <laughs> I don't know. I I yeah. I think it it mostly is a problem with with pitch, probably. Okay. Also, I've discovered recently that uh, I have something wrong with my nose (laughs) oh really this has been a a sort of interesting thing uh, with regards to the phonetics and the language accent stuff as well but uh, i I can't remember the names of all this thing it might be the septum it's the middle bit the bit that divides the left and right cavities of your nose okay yeah mine is at a little bit of an angle all right which which means that it shuts off one of the uh sort of air pathways Mm. uh, which gives me a kind of nasal quality both when i'm speaking and obviously when i'm singing as well oh okay interesting and i'm wondering whether it might be getting in the way of some of the qualities that i'm pursuing uh with accent as well with certain languages like one of the reasons that i can sound a little bit muffled and sound like i'm not really speaking properly is partly because i don't sort of open my mouth widely enough when i'm making vowel sounds but it might also partly be this sort of nasal blockage. No, I would, I would actually beg to differ. I would say the contrary. We, we did mention this definitely many, many, many episodes ago, but mm. Asian languages often sort of sound better with nasally voices. And I've uh, met many people, many, many people who are extremely fluent in mm. you know, Mandarin Chinese or Cantonese or, or Japanese mm. and who just just it just doesn't sound right mm. and the reason for it is not because of their pronunciation it's not because of their intonation or enunciation or any of these things it's simply because the tone of their voice is so uncharacteristically sort of not not asian it, it, right it's more uh, resonant because the in most european based languages indo-european based languages we tend to speak from the chest more and there's a lot more resonance down there. Right. It also could be something to do with uh, uh, the shape of the nose. I think for some people, some people mm. who have like, you know, a, a prominent nose, mm-hmm. potentially that may produce a very, very different sound of voice uh, compared to, um, you know, more of a, an Asian profile for the nose, which tends to be a little bit wider and flatter uh, in general, obviously. Uh- yeah, that that might have an effect. Although, I don't know. I think th- there are there are other areas in the world which have a wider flatter nose 
that I think of as having deep voices. So I'm not sure if I'd be interested to see the study of how languages map to yeah. sort of facial features. Yeah, it's it's not specifically pitch as in deep, high, low depth of the voice. Mm. Uh, it is more of, um, uh, well, basically nasally or not nasally. Right. And yeah, I've always found that people with uh, particularly nasal voices, both you and I have nasal voices. My voice is also very nasal mm-hmm. and, uh, and and yours is is very nasal too yeah, because of this reason that you've just uh, uh, explained to me. Right. But um, that it, it really helps with, with sounding kind of more, uh, I don't know, uh, less like a foreigner, I suppose. Right, right, exactly. So more more sort of native-like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is quite interesting. I might get this thing fixed at some point, but if I do, I will then have to make the effort to sort of maintain the nasality, if that's a word, Yeah, that, uh, when speaking Japanese. Is the, does it inconvenience you? Like, do you have problems sleeping because of it or anything? Or, or when you get a cold, does it cause problems? There or? are potentially many side effects which are difficult to know to what extent they're caused or not caused by this problem. Mm. So the reason I originally, if we're going to get deep into my uh, uh, medical situation. <laughs> um, the, the reason I originally went to the, the ENT, the ear, nose, throat doctor, yeah. to talk about this is that I have been getting quite a lot of headaches. Oh, okay. And so I thought it might be related to that. And so I went to see them and they said, it might be, it might not be. I wouldn't recommend taking any action on the basis of headaches alone because... Sometimes it's related and sometimes it's not. And I can't tell you whether they will get any better mm. if you if you fix this. I see. But there are other things. It can help with sleep. Uh, it can help also with just sense of smell. Like I don't have a very good, very sensitive sense of smell. Okay. Smell is obviously closely related to taste. So I think mm. I probably have a slightly dulled sense of taste. Oh, okay. Mm. And the doctor said it might i mean he doesn't know but in his experience it's a it's for those people who have this operation to fix this problem because it's a relatively common problem Mm. it's a little bit like when people wear glasses for the first time Mm. spectacles right and i still remember when i first wore glasses because i didn't think i had any problem with my eyes in fact, I only went to the optician to tag along with my sister because she was struggling to read the board. And so she thought she might have something wrong with her eyes. Mm. I thought my eyes were fine. But since she was going anyway, this is when I was like 12 or something, I would go along with her. And it turned out my eyes were worse than hers. <laughs> <laughs> so they gave me some glasses. And the first time I put them on and I looked outside my window, mm immediately in front of my house there was this i lived right at the edge of town next to a big field with horses and stuff Mm. and uh, i was used to i saw that field every day looking out of my window Mm. but the first time i put glasses on and i could see each individual blade of grass and i realized for the first time that that's what you're supposed to be able to see (laughs) (laughs) That, that you know just a blurry mass of green is not all the detail that is available to human perception <laughs> right, at that right, distance. Right. Uh, it was amazing. It was like a revelation, you know, that this that we're capable of experiencing vision to this extent. Mm. And I'm only very slightly short-sighted. So obviously people who have worse eyes than mine probably have this effect to a greater degree. So it might be a similar thing. I might sort of 
get this fixed and suddenly discover that I'm awakened to a whole new world of, of smells and tastes mm. that I, I was barely aware existed. I mean, that might be a bit of a double-edged sword. <laughs> Not all smells are good ones. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, but um... Anyway, so it's an interesting thing. I don't know yet with that, but I think I probably will uh, try and get it fixed at some point this year. Wow. Well, you have to make sure you let me know in advance because then I'll have to like... Uh change my uh, station 13 mastering template yes because <laughs> your voice your voice may potentially actually have quite a different tonality yeah it may or may not have any effect i have no idea but anyway mm. we'll see it is a bit of a apparently it's it's if you know it's a fairly common procedure and it's not that risky or difficult but i'd have to take like a week off work to recover so right, i see i need to kind of pick my timing Mm. Uh, anyway, yeah. interesting. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the latest update on my medical situation on Station 13. <laughs> well, excellent. There you go. You can yeah. uh, listeners can uh, can tune in to future episodes to keep up to date <laughs> on uh, on the state of. I don't know. Uh, Apparently, it's a reasonably common problem. So if, you know, it's possible that listeners may have been through a similar procedure or or may know more about all this than I do. So if anybody mm. does, I'd be interested. What was some um, hear about it? What was it called again? The the I can't remember. I have to look that up before I order it. <laughs> Just say something in Latin, and I, and we'll and I'll just say, oh, oh that sounds all oh, right. I see. Yeah, sounds legit. I think I, I don't know. It was uh, I don't know. I think it was something to do with the septum or something. Uh, but right. the septum is the bone, isn't it? It's not the bone. It's like a septimus sideways nasalus. There you go. Had another word that is often in. Uh, it was it's like a septoplasty or something like that. Right. That sounds good. Yeah. The plasty. You know, you often hear in like plastic surgery type operations. Something like that. Bit of an update uh, for um, Remote Transmission, my music project. Oh, yeah. We uh, have finalized the script for the next song, Mm. uh, which is called 4002. Oh, I see. And, yeah, I think I talked before that we had the option of actually spacing these episodes out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next one potentially could have been like 4005 or or whatever mm-hmm. and there'd be sort of events in between 4001 and 4005 that you would have to extrapolate right. but um, my uh, collaborative partner and my writer uh, has, uh, he decided to make this one a direct continuation of, of uh, 4001 and mm. oh boy the, uh, his, his writing is uh, exceptional it's really, <laughs> really good so the stage we're at at the moment, we finalised the script, and it's 196 mm. characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's your target again? 200. 200. <laughs> right, uh, four characters from the end. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's just exceptionally good. So that I've uh, the script is now with our uh, with the voice actor who uh, mm. will uh, record the the uh, record this for the for the music, and then I go through the process of setting it to music. So, mm-hmm. kind of speaking of music, I wanted to get your opinion on something. Okay. Kind of, kind of weird. Mm. Have you ever considered changing your Twitter username? Yes. Oh, yeah, I have, actually. In fact, I have another Twitter username that I'm holding on to. Because related to that, I have changed my Reddit username. Oh, really? Or rather, I've opened a new account with that username, and I've just slowly been switching over to using oh, okay. that one instead. So you may have noticed that... I used to post to the Station 13 Reddit with a different account, but recently I've been co- posting with the KidVidi account. Oh, okay. Right, And right. as well as that, I have also got the KidVidi 
Twitter username, mm. which I'm sitting on, but I'm not using because I haven't decided whether to switch over to it <laughs> or how to do that. Right. Or, you know, I should have probably just changed, like, because you can actually, on Twitter, you can change your username. Right. But I didn't do that. I opened a second account with a view to maybe keeping these as different things, but I'm right, not sure right. what to do about it. Well, that was smart because what mm. you can do uh, is you could change your... Because on Twitter, you are Daniel P. Wright. Is that right? Right, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. So on what you could do is change the Daniel P. Wright to be Daniel P. Wright 000 or whatever, mm-hmm. temporarily. Mm. Then go to your KidVidi Twitter account mm-hmm. and change that to something and change change it to KidVidi 000. Then go to your Daniel P. Wright one and change that to KidVidi. Uh, and then go back to the original KidVidi one and change it to Daniel P. Wright. Right. So you basically sw- swap the names around. Because yeah. if you if you do that, oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, then at least you can get notifications set up if somebody tweets. Oh, somebody accidentally does the old name. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because I I've, I'm facing this dilemma right now. My Twitter username is a type eight o eight, which is a very good username. Really? I don't know. It's it's very you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never really liked it. That's the thing. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, the 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 reason that is that is because my my best friend to this day. Um, we lived in China together, mm-hmm. and uh, his uh, his nickname was R Type mm. because the first letter of his name is R, and uh, R Type made sense because we were both fans of classic video games, and of mm-hmm. course R Type is the yes. classic, classic side scrolling shooter. Yes, so he um, he because I called him R Type, he would call me A Type. Right, right. So then I when Twitter when I first signed up to Twitter in two thousand and whatever it was, mm-hmm. uh, I obviously tried to get A-type and I couldn't because it was taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought, oh, i just got to add some numbers onto this, I guess. Mm. And yeah, the, just the first thing that came to mind was Roland's legendary drum machine, the TR-808. Yeah. So I just put, okay, that'll do A-type right, 808. Right, 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 right. And there I was. Right. And here I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, Years later. It is yeah. true, the funny thing with usernames and email addresses and things that you hold on to for... Years after they were cool. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And so, yeah, yeah the thing with, with 808, like, the, it kind of makes sense because my favorite um, synthesizer maker is Roland. Mm-hmm. And my favorite genre of electronic music is a style of Detroit techno, which is called electro bass mm-hmm. or electro. It's also called or electro boogie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the drums from this genre are quintessentially um, the, the TR-808 or the TR-606. Right. And you might know a song called Planet Rock by Africa Bambata and the Soul Sonic Force. I might. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I, I don't know the name, but yes. Okay, yeah. Planet Rock is um, one of the very first sort of um, very first examples of hip hop. Mm-hmm. You know, way back in the in the early eighties, mm-hmm. and uh, Planet Rock features a sample of um, one of it's a Kraftwerk song mm-hmm. uh, uh, with a uh, classic beat made on a Roland TR eight hundred eight. Anyway, mm-hmm. the thing is. These days, you know, the numbers 808 have become mm-hmm. kind of ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, I mean, the original 808 drum machine is, is a classic and it's a fantastic, amazing mm-hmm. kind of, you know, history, epoch-making instrument. Right. Just because it's been featured in so many styles of music. Right. You know, it's kind of like the Fender Stratocaster of, of synthesized drums, mm-hmm. really. 
Mm. You know, you've, you've heard it in R&B and you've heard it in techno and electro and you've heard it in hip-hop and you've heard mm. it in... Um, now, these days, you're hearing it in sort of trap music. Mm. Uh, trap music relies on, you know, these 808 kick, kick drum sounds mm. uh, fairly heavily affected that gives you that, you know, very heavy kind of sound that you hear mm -hmm. in, in trap music. So... The numbers 808 are certainly not out of fashion. Right. And they're not really going anywhere anytime soon. Right. And a little bit cliche. Still, it's kind of a bit cliche. And uh, in the 90s, there were, there were some bands that actually, there was 808 State was, a, was a, mm -hmm. like a techno band in those days uh, mm -hmm. uh, that used the numbers as well. And yeah, I don't know. I just kind of fallen out of love with having 808 at the end of my Twitter username. Fair enough. So I started looking for alternatives and naturally... Mm -hmm. Twitter, with all of its billions of users or whatever it is, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you can't really get anything these days. That <laughs> it's really so. I actually, I'm surprised you got Kid Vidi. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm slightly surprised about that. A Kid Vidi, uh, it's surprising because it sounds like the sort of thing that would exist and be popular. Yeah, and yet it isn't. It is. Its origin is in a concept album that I made with my best friend when I was like 17. Right. And we had this whole, I mean, I talked about it before, our, our band, which was just the two of us, Razorblade Oscilloscope. Mm. We did a couple of concept albums and they had this whole story involved about, uh, this is very of its time, but mm. America declaring war on the rest of the world. Right. <laughs> destroying the entire of the rest of the world until there was only Texas left. Right. And... <laughs> Uh, but Kid Vidi is the one survivor who who rose over the Atlantic to take Texas down. Anyway, I, see. I was seventeen. <laughs> you, you haven't. I, I fondly re, I fondly remember you telling me the the this back this uh, story on the train mm. on the original train on the way to Station Thirteen. But uh, you've never actually spoken about it on the show, so I'm glad you just have. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, there's a lot more detail. There's actually a sequel before I moved to Japan we got together and wrote a sequel to this concept album. We actually never finished the last couple of tracks. Right. So there's there's still a couple, you know, it's not a full uh, album. It's missing parts of the story, essentially. Right. Uh, although we know what they are. But we wrote a sequel because the, the end of the first album, uh, the entire of the world had been destroyed, right? Because uh, mm. the Americans had destroyed everything. And then Kid Vidi had destroyed what was left of... Texas. Right. Uh, and so there was only, Kid Vidi was the only survivor, the only human survivor left. Right. And it sort of ended on a bit of a downer. Oh, it's kind of, and a, then, of a downer, I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wrote this really optimistic uh, sort of synthy song. Right. That was my favorite of the things that I wrote for the album because we, we split the album half and half. You each wrote half the tracks. We didn't really mm. collaborate so much as each independently write songs mm. that we put together. And my favourite of the tracks that I wrote was probably this last one that I wrote that I had no place in the story. It was an extra. Mm. And we were like, well, where do we put this? It's so good. We've got to use it somewhere. But where does it fit? Right. And we, we actually just put it at the end of the album and it kind of brought the, the story to a, a, a more uplifting end. Right. Uh, and so what actually happened was that uh, this alien spaceship comes at the at the end which was actually about to destroy Earth anyway. 
<laughs> I see. Because <laughs> it could see that we were about to sort of, be, you know, develop enough technology to become powerful and potentially be a danger to the rest of the galaxy. Right. So they were going to sort of try and nip it in the bud. And then they discovered that we'd already sort of destroyed ourselves, you know, ourselves. Convenient. Uh, <laughs> so they had come and they sort of imagine the ship landing and then sort of stepping out and going, boo, 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 boo. <laughs> everyone's already dead. And then, <laughs> but Kid Viddy, who who at the time is uh, starving and hunting a vole. Right. <laughs> and he sees the ship and he sneaks on the ship as it flies right. away. And so that was the end of the first album. So we opened the second album with a remix of that track. Excellent. And the second album is called Kid Viddy and the Cosmic Space Beasts right. and is about his adventures <laughs> Brilliant. You through know, space. You know, you know what I love about amateur story writing? It's, it's, mm. the, it's the convenience. <laughs> you know, it's like everything is so convenient. It's like, oh, it just happened to be aliens that came down from space to destroy right, everything. Right. Oh, everything, everybody's dead. That's great. Let's go home, guys. You know? <laughs> And then I woke up and it was all a dream. You know? Right. It's like the key to storytelling is conflict, but no, everything is all nicely set up. That's right. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, it's all a thinly veiled excuse to play with synths. So, that's, uh, but so Kid Video, I mean, that is a, it's fantastic that, that you could get that to a, to a name because it's short and it's snappy and it's funny and interesting right. and it's intriguing. It's actually, and, and so it's, it's also not my idea to use it as a, as a, twitter name so funnily Mm. enough i took ages to persuade my friend alex to join twitter right and even now he's not that active Mm. on twitter uh but when he finally did join twitter he joined it with the username k viddy obviously referencing kid viddy right i see and i guess he must have just assumed that kid viddy wouldn't be available so he just went for k viddy or maybe he was trying then i looked at that and i was like oh that's brilliant Mm. kid viddy i should start using that and so Ah. i looked and saw it was available so i grabbed it and i grabbed it on reddit and and i started actually using it for stuff right um Anyway, that's the that's the background on Kid Fiddy. I was actually annoyed because I, I wanted... To, I've never been fond of my Twitter username either. It's too long for a medium where... I mean, it doesn't matter now because it's not counted as part of the length limit. But it used to be that if you had a shorter username, mm. people writing to you had more space to write their message. Right, right. And so my, my username being very long got in the way. And the other day, not the other day, but months ago, I was looking at Twitter and I realized that Danny... D-A-N-I, had never been taken. I thought it has to be five letters or more. It does now. But in the early days of Twitter, when I joined, it didn't. And so if I had, again, I must have done a similar thing. I must have just assumed Danny wouldn't be available. I tried to get DP right, which is what I was using everywhere else. Right. But that wasn't available. So I I expanded the D and got Daniel P right. Mm. But I should have gone the other direction and just got Danny. Because I'm really jealous of people who've just got their name like totally normally on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think you should definitely. Uh, we should do this together. I think you should definitely go for Kid Video. That's a fantastic username. It's great. And it's short and memorable. Mm. In in my case, I've been so I've, over the last um, few weeks. I was looking at other options, looking as in typing stuff into the Twitter settings right. profile <laughs> settings screen, and 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 you know finding that absolutely everything is taken. Mm. But I did find one that is relevant to me. It's a bit weird, but I want to get your opinion on it. Mm-hmm. But it's memorable and it's uh, easy to read and remember and mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's ProTracker. Mm. Now, 
the thing here is that ProTracker is the uh, it's one of the the classic tracker music composition programs on the Commodore Amiga. Right. So there was Noise Tracker, then Sound Tracker, and Pro Tracker, mm. and then followed later on by um, uh, the PC versions like Impulse Tracker, Fast Tracker, and Scream Tracker. Right. Right. So. Pro Tracker, so it's weird because Sound Tracker is taken, mm-hmm. Noise Tracker is taken, mm-hmm. Pro Tracker, which is the short, the shorter, shorter one of all of these, and mm-hmm. also the most famous one of all right, of these, right. exists and it's not taken. Yeah. So at the time I've of done recording. what you. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's all right. Wait, I've okay. done what you did, and I've actually signed up for a new account. Oh, okay. With the name Pro Tracker to to right. to hold it right. while I. Decide. While I kind of work this out in my mind, because right. the thing that I'm, I mean, Kid Video is cool. The thing with ProTracker is that I, I don't know. I'm sort of wondering whether it's a whether it's a bit pretentious to call yourself pro anything. Yeah, I mean, you are literally a pro tracker. I, I mean, guess you I work am. with tracking software for your job. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, so I, I guess I am a pro tracker. The second thing that is a bit weird is like this is legacy software. Yeah. So. Like if you decided to call yourself Stevie Editor, right? So like I, when I'm going through different names, I was like thinking all things that are sort of you know fond to me, uh, which sort of represent my interests, and you know, uh, typing in things like Amiga 500, no taken, obviously Amiga 1200 taken, Commodore mm-hmm. taken, Commodore 4 Life taken, Commodore Fan taken, Amiga 4 Life taken. It's like uh, okay, Sound Tracker taken, Noise Tracker taken, then Pro Tracker not taken. Mm-hmm. So then I was thinking that. The thing is, is it a bit kind of weird to call myself uh, as a username the name of some legacy software? Because imagine if somebody in the demo scene decided to sort of resurrect ProTracker. Mm. There is actually a project I think on on GitHub, uh, which is like a an open source version of like an updated version of ProTracker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like that's coming into my mind when I'm thinking. I mean, that's true. I, take- I suppose. But they would probably give it a different name, I, sub- yeah. I expect. Maybe. I don't know if it's, it's really a problem. Let's just go back a second. We Did you try Commodore 4 Life? <laughs> yes. With the number four? <laughs> yes. That's terrible. <laughs> I know. I, I didn't really... What were you thinking? <laughs> I was not thinking much. I was basically thinking, I wonder if this is taking, you know, I wonder if this is taking... Like the most ridiculous thing you could type into that username box on the Twitter right. profile page, and it will be taken. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really it's bizarre. Like Pro Tracker as well. I think I I'm trying to remember. I think I tried Pro Tracker with a few numbers, like mm. you know three point five one, which was the the final version of it on the Amiga, I think, or something like that, and that right. was taken. Right. It's like, well, why is it that just Pro Tracker is not taken? It's possible that somebody so, else used to have it and they closed their account. Could be. Yeah, that could be it. So, I don't know if that shows up differently on the, you know, if you actually go to the page. But Yeah. Anyway. What I wanted to ask you is that if you had no idea what ProTracker actually meant, mm-hmm. at, or even the existence of any kind of like music composition software that's classed as a tracker, mm-hmm. does ProTracker sound kind of silly? I don't know. I mean, it's a difficult <laughs> hypothetical. It's difficult to try and put my mind in a place where I had no idea that tracker software existed. Right. Uh, Because I do, and I have for a very long time. I mean, as I think you you put this idea out on Twitter and one 
deeply esteemed friend of the show, responded, well, do, do you hunt animals for a living or something along right. those lines? <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Which uh, hadn't occurred like that. I guess you could interpret it that way. Mm. But I think if you open the account and you saw like, you know, lots of flashing lights and, and numbers <laughs> as, as your avatar and background choices tend to be, I think you would quickly realize that it had little to do with nature. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because um, my, my, if you go to a type 808 on Twitter, you'll see that my uh, profile background image, that is actually ProTracker. It's actually ProTracker, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, okay. Like, there's lots of software that we haven't heard the names of. Like, you know, I suppose it would be a bit odd if your Twitter username was Photoshop. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Photoshop is still current, so maybe that's why, like, be a bit odd if your Twitter name was Deluxe Paint. Deluxe Paint. <laughs> then, I don't know. I think I. I think I could. That would fly. Yeah. Lotus so, one two three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one. Lotus one two three. Yeah. So that's that's the reason why uh, I have I have the ProTracker username. Uh, I'm sitting on it. Yeah. Uh, although uh, the way Twitter works now, I think because I am sitting on it and I haven't done anything with it, probably when I go back to it. And sign into it, I'll have to sort of re-verify myself because I think that's yeah, the yeah. And if you leave it too long without ever logging in or doing anything, it will probably sort of right deactivate it yeah. or something. So, but um, you don't have to do much. I I'm sitting on. I've actually got like five Twitter accounts at this point. Hmm. Uh, I think I have uh, the Station Thirteen One, which I manage. Uh, the Daniel P. Wright, which is my personal account, Kid Viddy, which I'm trying to decide what to do with. Uh, and I also have another one called Tatami no Mushi, oh, right. which is a dumb joke. But I used to have a separate Japanese and English Twitter account. So I used to only follow Japanese language things for my Japanese account and only follow English things for my English account. And when I tweeted in Japanese to avoid cluttering up my English account and followers who can't read Japanese, hmm. I you know, I tweeted them with in the Japanese account and vice versa. I wanted Japanese people to be able to follow me without worrying about their timeline being cluttered up with a load of English tweets. Mm. So I, you know, I posted Japanese ones there. Uh, but over time, the volume of my Japanese tweets was not great enough to really, really warrant maintaining two separate accounts that it turned into kind of a pain. And I kind of got the feeling from most Japanese people that I met who are mostly in the kind of programming and especially the functional programming communities they didn't mind seeing English tweets and they would rather get access to all my tweets, even if some of them are English, than have them sort of divided like this. Mm. Uh, so I kind of fell out of using it, but I'm still holding on to it. Mm. And the other account that I have is, is at time for a cuppa. <laughs> See, that's, these are all brilliant. I mean, they're, they're definitely uh, a step above Commodore for life, that's for sure. <laughs> I was actually, that one was intended to be a bot. I was going to make a Twitter bot that at certain times of day just tweets, it'd be a good time for a cup of tea. And it just reminds oh, you to have a cup of tea when it would be a good time to do that. Nice. But I never got around to making the bot. And unfortunately, there's there seems to be some charity or something mm. that deals with uh, mental health or uh, dementia. Right. Specifically. And they're they are evidently called Time for a Cuppa. Oh, okay. And they they must have events or something where they say tweet with the hashtag Time for a Cuppa or something to talk about it. Because mm. people will often accidentally tweet 
at me when they go mm. to these events. And so What's they'll be like, I had a great time at the at time for a cup of dementia oh, UK, blah, blah, blah thing. Right. And I get a lot of notifications whenever one of these events is on. What's, uh, what's their username? I don't know. I don't even know if they've got one. If you were not, not such a morally upstanding individual, you know, you could probably sell the Twitter username to them. I mean, I'm not using it. So, uh, you know, I'd give it to them if, right. if I could find a way to contact them. Mm. Although I do have an amazing avatar for this one, which I just found on the Google. And as per our previous conversation, I'm not actually crediting whoever took this photo. But right. the, the, the account name is Tea Time Monitor. <laughs> I see. <laughs> and it's this brilliant photo of a woman drinking a cup of tea. Anyway. Yeah, I should find out who these time for a couple of people are and try and get it to them. Maybe. So I don't know. I, I'm. I'm. The, I guess the whether or not to go with ProTracker is one problem. The other problem mm-hmm. is um, changing your Twitter username. Mm. I. I. I guess. How? I mean, how does it even work? Does it mean that all tweets that have been written with at a type eight oh eight on Twitter would change to at ProTracker? Is that I how it would think work? So. I don't think it would retroactively go through history there might these days the newer tweets since it became like a first class twitter feature Mm. might have some information about this was directed at this person or this was in reply to this person right and that metadata might get updated i see so that you can click on the tweet and see the thread as it was Mm. but i expect the content of the body of the tweet would still have the same text right i'd be very surprised if they went in and modified that yeah so that's why i thought it would be a good idea to to get this username so that eventually i could have this one that this secondary account be called a type 808 as like a you know a catch Mm -hmm. uh, what do you call it a catch-all to to, if anything comes to that then i'll still be notified of it and i can answer from from my proper account but uh, the bigger problem for me is just whether or not to go with ProTracker or not. <laughs> yeah, I think ProTracker is quite cool, actually. I think it's a good good name. It's extremely memorable, more memorable mm. than A-Type 808, oh, although that sure. is also pretty memory, memorable as well. But... <laughs> for the wrong reason. Um, <laughs> so the other ideas that I had, um, my favourite game on the Commodore Amiga was Speedball 2. Yes. And Speedball 2, the team names were brilliant. Mm. And I've I've got a list of them here. Unfortunately, I, I, I was originally thinking, you know, one of these names would be fantastic. Mm. But obviously being Speedball, which is a game about it's kind of violent handball, essentially, <laughs> all of the team names. When I looked up the names of the different teams, that they all mm. uh, are uh, fairly, uh, fairly uh, violent. So that's mm. the, just to give you a few of them, the, the main team that you play is called Brutal Deluxe. Mm-hmm. But some of the opponents' teams are called things like the Raw Messiahs, or uh, Steel Fury, or Rage Two Thousand, oh. or Lethal Formula, or Turbo Hammers, and yeah. uh, the best one here yeah. is Super Nash One. And Super Nash One. And the the um uh, <laughs> the one that I always used to laugh here. You got in amongst these like you know uh, the Renegades and Damocles and Mean Machine is this team called Baroque. Mm. <laughs> Baroque, <laughs> like Baroque era, as in you know, like Bach and Handel, right, right, right. And just Baroque, yeah, just yeah. Baroque. <laughs> it's brilliant. So yeah, That's I was thinking taken. <laughs> Baroque is probably taken. Brutal Deluxe is actually taken. Yeah, Brutal Deluxe is a good one, but yeah, yeah, it's not really the image I kind of want to want to uh, project. No, no. So I think Protra- I, I think go with Protra- One thing to be careful of, though, um, to mm. confirm before you start going through this process is you mentioned like 
doing a swap by changing one of the names to underscore zero 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 and then changing the second name to the first name and changing, you know, doing that way. Right. Uh, I think there's a minimum time between name changes that you're allowed ah, to do. Okay. So I don't think you would be able to do that uh, oh, really? without waiting like a month or something because to protect, it's a form of sort of abuse of the system sure. where yeah. you get people to follow you on one name and then you change your name to something completely different and now they're following what looks like a completely unrelated account. I see, I see. So that means that you're in the same position with Kid Vidi that we wouldn't, like how would we actually, would we have to take a gamble that nobody would get our usernames while we're waiting for the for for that period to expire or how would, how would I, we do this? I don't know how it would work. Yes, maybe, maybe that would be the case. So it would be... It would be awkward. I think it's reasonably common for people to just leave their old account active and just have in the description, I no longer tweet, and have as like a pinned tweet, I no longer tweet to this account, please update, you know, mm. follow this other account. Because you can have a pinned tweet that will always show up at the top. Right. So. But that's that's kind of, that means that you go back to zero followers, right? Yeah, it means people have all got to follow the new account. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. I guess we're we're stuck, can't we? I think actually, so that's the case in which it's a bad idea to do what we've done and mm. hold on to the second account. Because if we hadn't done that, we could change the name of our account to that, which would be available, mm. and then immediately reopen a new account with the old name. You wouldn't have to do any swapping, right? Because the name, yeah. but the name becomes uh, available immediately, does it? I don't know. Because if yeah. it becomes available immediately then what we would want to do would actually work because you just change your name on KidVidi to KidVidi1 or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's true. And yeah. then KidVidi becomes available, so you can just use you can change your regular account to that. Yeah, but then your old account, you've already changed the name of the, the temporary KidVidi account, for example. Hmm. So you, you can't change it again. You need to do two changes in quick succession. Right. Hmm, well, yeah. we... Uh, well, I guess this is going to require more more checking. Yeah. So maybe maybe we're stuck. The annoying thing about Reddit is I, you can't change your username on Reddit, and so you've oh, got really? to open a new account, which is kind but, of fine. But there's also no way to transfer your like Reddit has Reddit Gold. It has like perks that you can have, as well as all your scores, because you know people rate your posts on Reddit, mm. so you build up a score over time. There's no way to transfer any of that stuff. So I've opened a new account and I've started using it to try and build that up again. Mm. But I actually have Reddit Gold on my first account, right. which means if I log into my first account, for example, I don't see any ads. I see. Whereas on the second account, I do. Mm. So it's a bit annoying. Yeah. So the the moral of the story is choose wisely when you choose sign wisely. up. When you <laughs> sign up for a username. Yeah. Do you think you will? Like, well, I guess we. Now, this is going to be an ongoing saga. I suppose next next episode we'll we'll do some research and see if this can actually work to uh, find out. Yeah. exchange names. I'm also names. not sure. I I can't quite decide. I think Reddit is a good place for a username like KidVidi. Part of the reason I did this on Reddit is because when I first signed up to Reddit, I just used the same username that I was using everywhere, which is mm. my real name. Right. But Reddit doesn't feel like a real name kind of place, right? If it, it's just something about the culture of the place. It's more of a place where people tend to use pseudonyms. Right. And so that's why I wanted to sort of make that switch. On Twitter, I am speaking much more like 
as me. And I'm often talking to people that I've actually met and people in the industry Hmm. as you are. And so I I can't quite decide for myself whether I like Kid Viddy in that context or whether I prefer people to just call me by my name. So that's part of the reason I haven't made the leap on Twitter. I think it's great. I think you should go for it, Kid Viddy, because um, having your real name as your username Mm. on Twitter, especially where you see the real name most of the time there anyway. Right. So it's Daniel Wright. Oh, it's at Daniel P. Wright, Daniel Wright. Right. It's kind of a bit stiff. And obviously, uh, Kid Vidi is short, snappy, and mm-hmm. excellent. So, uh, yeah, well, maybe we should uh, see if we can find a solution for this exchanging names things with uh, with these uh, accounts that we have. Yeah. Anybody who has any experience in this area, please let us know. Yeah. If we can't find a way, then I guess that makes that decision for us, doesn't it? That uh, yeah. no, no, we shouldn't do this. Yeah.